0: Welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, Forever Blue podcast is blue because it's all about Manchester City. And it's uh, it's nice to have you with us. We're recording this uh, in the middle of the Easter holidays. So on that basis, um, our people are very, very busy. So we might make this podcast a little bit shorter than normal. Um, And we'll be back with a full-blown podcast next week. Nikki Weaver was scheduled to be our special guest today. But uh, family... Uh, celebrations, if you like, of taking control, which we don't blame him for. We all have that sort of thing at this time of the year. So hopefully he'll be with us next year. Uh, sorry, next week, next year, what i am I saying? He might be with us next year as well. Um, so in the absence of Nicky Weaver, uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman, and this is a Manchester City podcast. And uh, we have three guests with us tonight. Um, Harlan, not to be confused these days with Erling Harland. Uh, we've also got Tony and Adam and uh, as I say, we'll be a little bit shorter today, but we'll still get through as much City as we can. So uh, let's start with Haaland and uh, see where you're up to, Haaland, because obviously, as we're recording this, um, City has six points behind Arsenal. They've got a two-all draw at Liverpool. And they were 2-0 up in that game, got a little bit heated at times. And I must admit, I turned to my son when Arsenal were leading by two goals to nil and said, the situation now is Arsenal don't win the league from this point, 2-0 up at Arsenal. Then people will say they've bottled it, they've blown it or whatever. And of course, they didn't win the game. However, they did get a point. And, uh, and it's still very much the title race on. And just before you answer that, just to keep people waiting with bated breath for your answer, just let me say that Howard Solicitors sponsor the podcast, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, they have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual, so if you need help or guidance, they'll have somebody to help you, 01618722999, email law at howardsolicitors.com, visit their website howardsolicitors.com and even if you're not in Greater Manchester or Cheshire, have a look at the website, email them if you have a question and I'm sure they'll try and help you, especially if you mentioned you heard about them on the Forever Blue podcast, so You've had time to think about what your answer is, Harlan. Off you go,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, six. We'll start with a six points difference, shall we? Um, I'll, I'll never forget. I was sat in the Rising Sun pub, um, which is up uh, towards Greenfield. Uh, I think you might know where it is, here, and towards Dovestones Reservoir and that kind of area. Uh, back in 2013 2014, we played Liverpool, uh, at Anfield, we lost 3 2. Uh, Vincent Company swiped at a ball and Coutinho finished it you'll remember you were there Ian and uh, we lost 3-2 I think there was five games to go in the league at that point and I think we were still many many points behind I can't remember I think it was I think it might have been six or it might have been eight points even um, Liverpool threw it away um, you rewind a couple of years prior to that United were playing against Everton they drew four all uh, and then we went and went cruised to the title If you actually remember, and I mentioned this the other week, uh, Mikel Arteta scored a goal in that very season against us at the Emirates to put Arsenal 1-0 up, and they won the game, and we were eight points behind United at that point with around six games to go, and we needed to beat United at home. It's quite weird because you said it yourself. The Arsenal game is that United game of 2012, but this time round, where we're behind Arsenal in the league, whether whether we'll be behind them by as many points as we are now when that game comes around. That that is to, to yet be seen. Um, but if we are behind them when that game comes around, believe me, there will be a lot more of a ferocity from our players than than there would have been if we were miles ahead of them. So I almost not like the fact that we're as close uh, to Arsenal, but yet behind Arsenal as we are going into the game. But I think our players, just like Liverpool in in 1819, will thrive on the pressure of having to win the game. And that, for me gives us that extra dynamic that I think that city need and that we, we are quite proud that we possess nowadays to get over the line and win this title. Do, do I, do I think we'll win it? Yes. Uh, absolutely. I do. Um, I've said it from the beginning. Are Arsenal a very good side? Uh, yes, they are. Are they a good football team? Yes, they are. Is he a good manager Arteta? Yes, he is. But as I, as I said last time I was on with Adam, um, you know, I don't want this vitriol against Arteta. I don't want this hatred to grow against Arsenal because they're rivalling us. Because at the end of the day, they're going to demand another gear from us, which is good for us as fans to see City go through the gears and have to really compete to get ahead of Arsenal. Um, but I, I can honestly see us winning the league title by a couple of points. They've got Palace to come. They won 5-1 against Leeds. Uh, they came back from 1-0 down as well. Uh, they look very good under Hodgson. They'll play really deep against Arsenal. I mean, no doubt, i on the break. They could drop points there. Drop points against us. They dropped them today. I can honestly see Arsenal dropping two more after that as well, and us winning the league by maybe two or three points. So yeah, look, I was very happy with how we played yesterday. A uh, bit slow in the first half, as the people said on the vlog, but much better second half. Erling's unstoppable, um, and I think we've got much, much more of a of a winning mental winning mentality between April and May than Arsenal could possibly possess now, being an experienced at doing so for so many years and having become mentality monsters in previous seasons, um, I think we will genuinely do this title. I think we'll win it.
0: It's interesting because when you look back at the pandemic and Liverpool playing behind closed doors, I think they had six successive home defeats. And I know that probably the myth of Liverpool's crowd being like, Deafening and everything is, is overplayed because if you watch that game today, for example, until Xhaka and Trent Alexander-Arnold had a bit of a coming together at the end of the first half and then later on when Liverpool built up ahead of steam, it was no different or uh, it's more special than anywhere else really, but crowds do make a difference. And City's away crowd at the moment is on fire, making a lot of noise every game. Obviously, I'm right in the middle of it, so I know exactly what's going on there. And the home crowd, we heard it against Liverpool, you know, were were a little bit increased as well. And I can't help thinking that a chasing team, a bit like long distance running, I bet when we bring Tony in, he might have a view on that, because I know he's a bit of an athlete, Tony, that actually being on the shoulder of the man in front can be an advantage now. I'm just going to bring in a little bit of athletics history here and some people who are not as old as me might not remember this. There used to be a guy called Dave Bedford who used to run 10,000 metres and he ran it from the front. Uh, You'll have seen those 118, 118 adverts maybe with the red bandana around the guy, which I know there was a little bit of a legal dispute as to whether that was meant to be Dave Bedford. But his way of winning was to go out in front and basically just exhaust the field. But generally it's accepted... That the man who or woman who's in second place in a race like that on the shoulder has the big advantage. So I'm, I'm guessing, Harlan, that the increased volumes from the crowd and the fact that City are the chaser on the shoulder in this particular instance is the reason why you're so optimistic about City's title hopes this yeah. season.
1: Yeah, I think there's that, Ian, which is which is very very important because when you're when, to, use, to use the analogy and go and take it one step further, in, in a sense, if you're, the, if you're the man at the front, you're never really going to have a chance to look what's behind you because you've got to focus on the task in hand. If you've got your eyes on, on first place and you're in second place, you're watching every move, you're studying every single thing they're doing, their running technique for the analogy's purpose, but their um, mentality, you're looking at their style of play when you're not playing and they are playing, Pep will be watching the way that Arsenal are playing and and look to exploit in performance analysis sessions. The lads will be looking at, you know, the weak points of the opponent uh, that Arsenal are playing as well. I mean, no doubt about when when we play them ourselves, but they'll be looking at uh, at how we beat our opponents and and what Arsenal are doing wrong in their games against similar opposition to beat them when they come to the Etihad. I think for me, we've got mentality monsters. Erling Haaland is a machine and I'm guessing that he's a big mentality monster as well because... You can be a machine and a monster in the same body if you're as big as he is. But I just feel like with Gundogan doing what he did against Villa last year, coming on and absolutely changing the game, uh, Bernardo did it against Newcastle. I know that was a couple of weeks ago now, but again, that game was going nowhere until he entered the fray for me. Uh, De Bruyne is, is a man that stepped up against Villa once he tied his shoelaces, because that means De Bruyne is about to take it up to another level. And he provided Gundawan with the goal uh, or the assist even for the winner. Sterling was brilliant in that game as well. But we've got the likes of De Bruyne, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, who will run all day for you against Arsenal. You know, we saw him against Saka in the game at the Emirates. He was playing left-back, but he was getting stuck in. He was doing a bit of naughty stuff as well, a bit of dark art stuff and everything, which I don't mind, because they do it to us, you've got to do it back. You've got to be streetwise and wise to the, to the opponent. And, you know, you've got the likes of Edison, Kyle Walker, Ruben Diaz, who's a heart, you know, he's a lion heart. Uh, kanji isn't isn't someone that messes around Um, and and Rodri you know for those that listen to the podcast regularly that know I've not always been Rodri's biggest fan as a footballer not as a man, he's a great person as a footballer, has evolved he's become a lot more robust a lot more Fernandinho-like his passing's more progressive I just feel like we've got a real unit of players here Ian that have got a fantastic mentality that know when and when not to dig in, when to compose when to be aggressive And we've took it up to another level now. And I think the fans can feel it. And I I do back you on on, on what you've said there. The away fans feel it at away games because the players, I just feel the players feel they've got to put more of a show on for the away fans when they're away from home than maybe they do at home. Bit comfy at home sometimes, bit more reluctant to to showcase the quality at times. I feel like the fans, the players as a collective, with a gaffer at the top, will drive us home in first place or run us home in first place and and, uh, cross the line. In, uh, in that position.
0: Now, I know, uh, Harlan, you've got to go off soon um, because of, of family commitments. As I said before, it's, this is that, that time of the year and we obviously respect that completely. So the other two will have been listening to the various points that I've asked and you've been making. So they'll come in in just a second. So we'll be jumping back to all these points in a minute with Tony and Adam. But the final one before I let you go is... The, the fixtures that City have got. Now, you've outlined Arsenal and Crystal Palace. You, you feel a potential points drop. Newcastle away, I suppose, and City at the Etihad. And I guess a lot of City fans now are of the mindset of, because of what happened with the United game on the way to winning the league in 2012, um, you know that when it comes to these crunch games and the mood that City appear to be in and the quality that they have, and I suppose the result too at the Emirates, that that would give City a massive advantage. Um, although I think, can't help thinking that we're all taking that as a as a win for granted. Um, but they're also tricky trips to Brighton, to Fulham. Even on the last day of the season, you look at that Brentford game and you think, you know, that that is not a game that you can just go and assume that you're going to win because they've all got that little bit of extra character, if you like. Plus, there is the factor of the Champions League, which uh, Arsenal don't have. Uh, and City, I guess the club and the manager and even the players maybe, in their heads, that's the one that they really want. So is it is it just a case of now, as we're sitting here on Easter Sunday, thinking mm. Arsenal have just dropped two points, and I can see people on so- social media, City fans, saying it's in our hands now. It isn't as straightforward as that, is it, with nine, nine fixtures to go
1: no, but I think, like you said, the idea of being second and, and being able to see Arsenal in front of us and know exactly what they're going to potentially do next, having seen teams do it before. Yes, this, and this is important for the fans, here, and I'd like to say this to every single City fan that listens to this and those that maybe don't or that might get wind of it. Um, this is one for us all. Um, and I think to to link back to what I linked to earlier on and, and, and obviously talking about 2012 and 2013-14, I think you look at that... Um, and, and it's easy to go back and go, oh, yeah, we did that. We came back from behind. None of these players played in them games or them teams or in them seasons. So it's not them that were there because uh, the players we've got now weren't a constant back then. They weren't even around back then. Some of them weren't even playing professional football. We were, though. We were. So what you mentioned before about us being the 12th man and using our voices to allow the players nowadays to understand what we've seen before and what they can get out of themselves because of us, I think is the thing as fans that we've got control over. Um, We did it against Villarreal. We were struggling. We were flagging. We were lagging behind. Coutinho was the worst player to score at the time that he did. And we managed to dig our players out of it. De Bruyne knew that he needed to boot up again. And Pep knew that Gundogan needed to come on because we told him that he needed to come on. We told him that De Bruyne needed to step it up because we've got a voice. There was 50, what, 52,000 fans that day that all have the same voice at the same time saying the same things. And I just personally believe that we've got a big, big, big duty to fulfill to allow these players to feel what the likes of Serge, Yaya, Vinny felt back in 2012 and more Zabba and Joe and everybody else, but also what the team of 2014 felt like, the Negredos, um, you know, and the and the you know, the, the other players that were in that squad, the cliches and the Kollarovs, that managed to dig us out of trouble at times in games. I just feel like as fans, we we we've got more of a say in this than we believe. We're very distant from our football clubs at the top level now. You see it when you go to non-league, you see it when you go to Latics at Oldham, you see it when you go to Bolton even. But that the, the fans are much closer to the players. We can make ourselves as close as we want in a title race, and I think that we need to do that. The players will feed off us and they'll go on and win it. There is a lot of games, Champions League's difficult. We've got the big we've got a big enough squad to do them both. To get far in the Champions League, maybe win it if we can get over Madrid. Um, but I honestly, genuinely think that that we'll be fine and that Arsenal will slip. They're the only competition, and we'll uh, we'll capitalise when they do so.
0: Well Harlan thanks very much for taking time out of your day. I know you are going off to see the family now so we wish you and the family well and apologies to Tony and to Adam for well first of all thanks for for giving up your time all three of you but also apologies for keeping you waiting so to speak but I know I knew Harlan had to disappear while we were recording so we'll let him go but now I can bring you two in. Um, Let's start with you Tony you've been listening to what um, Harlan's had to say. You've heard all the topics. I can reintroduce the topics if you want to, but equally, you know, feel free now to jump in and and pick up the pieces, so to speak, and give us your opinions.
2: Um, well, I mean, I think uh, Harlan put it uh, beautifully, to be honest. And uh, um, there's not really, I mean, obviously, you know, it it we're on radio and not television, so there's probably a lot more that needs to be said. Um, but um, we we mentioned. Uh, you know the twelfth man, and I do, and I do totally agree that the fans are going to play a big part in in obviously moving us on to uh, winning the winning the title. I do agree that was what was said that the um, the uh, Arsenal game on the twenty sixth uh, is basically the Manchester United game of two thousand and twelve, so it's kind of all set up for that. Um, the only other thing for me is that, and again, I suppose that we look at fixtures that are coming up. Uh, and we happen to play, if I'm not mistaken, we happen to play three sides who were struggling at the bottom in West Ham, Leeds, and Leicester. Um, and they're due. If one of them are to get out of that, which I assume one of them will do, um, there's going to be a freak result that that they that they pull out of the bag. And uh, Leicester have have been a tricky side of, of of you know previously. Leeds can be an awkward side as well. They're coming off the back of and obviously getting thumped thumped today. So i don't think it's um all sort of done and dusted in regards to, in regards to that i do agree that it, you know it, it's nice to be at the top and having control of everything but i also agree when we talked about that analogy uh, obviously being a runner uh, that that you do see a lot more when you when you are from behind and you can usually um, work out when you need to break when you need to stay behind etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, I think from a player's point of view, I think they look all set up. We mentioned certain players there that seem to be clicking into gear. I think added to that, we've got Grealish and we've got Ake, who are absolutely playing out their skin. Uh, possibility that Foden comes back into back into play as well. Um, so it is all set up and we've been there before and I expect us obviously to, to, to compete and to do that. And um, I don't think that um, we should automatically think that it's in our hands. Although I think the press, um, certainly of of, of, of certain um, programs on the TV and certain sports channels, I think will make it sound like it is, which I think can seem to be uh, putting added pressure in terms of from a fan base point of view. But I think the players have got that strong mentality to to know what we have to do with what's left. Um, so I think you know, as as the old analogy is said, that we take one game at a time. I think that peppers. Has got a team of players that do that, and they don't get carried away, and they look forward to the next game, etc., etc. So I think it's all set up. I really do think it's all set up. Um, I think we needed this break in terms of um, Arsenal dropping points, uh, as we as as has been alluded to before. There's been games before where you know where we've played Arsenal, and we've got B um, United at the time when they were challenging us. Have ended up pulling out a freak result where they where they drew four all with Everton. So. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that the fans will play a big part, as as said before. Um, and let's just
0: bring it on. I was driving back. Well said, Tony. I was driving back from Southampton yesterday with a friend of mine. And we. I did a documentary when I was at the BBC, a radio documentary, which is 50 minutes long, which um, I wish I could play for you, really, frankly. But it was a documentary of the the season when, in 2012, we won the league and it wasn't just about the drama of the last day but it was about those twists and turns and the Everton 4-4 Arteta scoring against City uh, at the Emirates, and and all the ups and downs, really, in the psychology of that season. We all very well remember that last day of the season, going a goal behind and still coming back and winning it, 93-20. But that's not the first time City have done that. I mean, one of the league titles down at, at Brighton, City went behind, came back to, to win that game. The Aston Villa game last season, you know, the City 2-0 down at home and come back to win it. And when it's come to these big games... Like that United game, you know, like the Arsenal game is bound to be when it comes around. It does feel as if this the modern city, the the one that's dropped the moniker "typical city," uh, is capable of anything like that, and has that not 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 just the quality which goes without saying, but also has that mentality to be able to produce. My fear, and it's a. It, you might say it's an irrational fear, given all the examples I've just given, and I certainly don't want to sound as if I'm being defeatist or negative, is that sooner or later, surely they're not going to keep doing these sorts of almost great escape acts where they always produce the win when you expect them to, always get the goal back, always get the last minute winner. Sooner or later, that's, that look is going to run out because there's always a, a little bit of an element of luck. I mean, we look back at ninety-three twenty, there was a look element when you try to look at it coldly, you think, "No, no, it was a quality goal, and it was a great ball by Balotelli." But you know, two minutes later, and it wouldn't account. You know, the game was over. So there's an element of luck. There's always an element of luck. Um, Arsenal, you know, had a penalty which, you know, they they struck wide. You know, that that had gone in. Maybe Arsenal, uh, sorry, Liverpool would have kept the momentum and would have won that game, and that could have had a big impact on the game. So. I just wonder where Adam stands on, on you know, where we are, what what's required and the level of sort of expectation, the level of, of, of fatality, you know, where are you, Adam?
3: Well, I mean, I'm consistently saying, I think we're the best team. So I expect, to, I go into every game expecting us to win. Um, I said the last time I spoke to you, Ian, I said, I thought we were going to win the treble. And if anything, I th- I'm, I'm more confident now than I was then. Um, we, we have the best manager, and in Pep's time here, I've learned... There are, there are a couple of players who Pep seems to think the world of who, who, if I were in charge, wouldn't be getting in the team every week, but they are getting in the team every week. But I don't quibble about that because it's so Pep, Who do you mean? Pep.
0: Who do you mean specifically?
3: I don't want to call out players, but I think there are players that are not getting game time, that should be getting game time. Bernardo Silva, I love. I don't know what's going on with Laporte. I'd love to see these players. I know Foden's been in and out, for not, not necessarily for selection reasons. But what I'm saying is, it's not the team that I would necessarily pick. But I totally have faith that Pep knows psychologically what's happening in training, that he is exactly on top of everything. And when he does some of his baffling things, like he was doing a couple of months ago, we weren't sure why certain people were getting the game time or not getting game time. And then we saw Cancelo leave and all, of, all that worrying time. That's all behind us now. And I think he's refined, he's refined his first choice eleven. He's, his tactics seem to have settled down a little bit. We're going back to, through Haaland again. Um, and I just feel like Pep always says, this is, this is the time. You want to be there or thereabouts coming into the running. And, and that's where we are. It's basically, it's us also, it's or also Arsenal now. Who is going to blink first? A lot of people were thinking that whoever blinks first will give, we'll give it up. I certainly don't think it's over yet because there's still a quarter of the season to go. But, you know, we're where we need to be. We we win our games, we win the league, we win win all our games, we win the treble. So I don't think we could really be in a much better place. And I have absolute faith in the manager that he knows exactly how to get the best out of this group.
0: To achieve that treble that you think is possible, Adam, and I know a lot of other people... We had Andy Morrison was on the podcast last week and he was basically saying that. Um, But to achieve that... Um, I know Tony suggested Arsenal might drop points, and of course that's possible. But City might have to win nine successive Premier League games, plus two successive FA Cup ties. Now, okay, in the Champions League, they don't have to win all the potential five games to go. They've certainly got to win at least three of them. Um, that's a big ask. You know, is this team capable of doing that? Yes,
3: it is. Um, and there is a there is a small chance they will do that. But I actually don't think, you know, I don't think it's realistic that City and Arsenal just both go on hoovering maximum points from now to the end of the season. There will be twists and turns. And all we can do is just hope that we're still in with a chance on the final day. Because as everyone's been saying, we're pretty good at, at, at dealing with that situation over the last few years. Um, I think Arsenal will drop points and. You know, I think there's every chance that City will drop points, but I still would make us favourites now to go on and win this.
0: So that's the Premier League. Um, As I said, we're going to do a slightly shorter podcast today, but let's turn our attention now late on Sunday evening UK time, ahead of the big game in, what, 48 hours from now, Tuesday evening when City play Bayern Munich. I looked at Bayern Munich's game against Paris Saint-Germain in the last round, and I have to say I was very disappointed with both Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain. I didn't think either of them were particularly up for it. Um, No, not up for it, that's the wrong expression, but certainly weren't the quality that I expected. Since then, of course, Bayern have changed the manager. Thomas Tuchel has come in, and he has shown that he is capable of managing a team that can beat City. We were beaten in the Champions League final, beaten in the FA Cup. You know, he has... He has a way. I know it's we're talking cliches here. Sometimes it's a bit more nuanced than that. But he is capable of being, being a team that's hard, building a team that's hard to beat and can nick games. Now I noticed over the weekend that Bayern won one 0 away at Freiburg, who are sitting fifth in the Bundesliga at the moment. And I also looked at the lineup that Bayern had, and against PSG, Gnabry didn't start, Mane didn't start, Sane didn't start. Cancelo didn't start. Yesterday, all those players started against Freiburg. And when I was watching that game against PSG, I looked at all those players and thought, why are they not starting? They're their best players, surely. So on that basis, I'd have said before Thomas Tuchel came in that whilst nothing's a given and it will be a tight two fixtures, I'm sure, that I would have fancied City to beat Bayern Munich. And that I think that's what a lot of City fans think, because even when we were talking to Haaland before, it was like, you know, if we can beat Real Madrid. So we're almost assuming that City are gonna beat Bayern Munich and Real Madrid are gonna beat Chelsea. I now feel as if the buying challenge might be a little tougher. Am I right? Am I, am I wrong? What are your two thoughts?
2: Um, I, to be honest, I, I, I totally agree with you in terms of Bayern's approach. Uh, the PSG game in particular, I thought the two teams sort of cancelled each other out, to, to be fair. um, In the Freiburg game, obviously, I, d- I didn't see it, but I do agree to the point that Tuchel, uh, Tuchel is very kind of defensively minded and he kind of works his team around that. And I think at this moment, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's trying to find a fine balance with the team that is, that is playing with the view of playing against, obviously in the Champions League against a uh, British opposition. Um, I do think the um, uh, fact, the big factor for me is, it is Erling Haaland because I think in games previous to this, you kind of wonder who's, who's going to turn up in them games. And if we do get one chance, you know, are we, are we capable of putting that away? And I think the difference in the game or over them two games against um, Bayern Munich is going to be Erling Haaland. So, I think that's where we have that uh, something up our sleeve. We've also got the other players that we've we've uh, we've all alluded to as well that can pop up when given uh, an opportunity to do. But I think that will be the difference. I think defensively, we really, really do need to be sound defensively. And I think if I'm not, you know, and again, I've seen a different approach from Man City in terms of of, of kind of controlling the game more. And although we have that passing um, mentality and we, we we would prefer to pass rather than, you know, maybe go one forward, we'll probably make two two sideways before we go one forward. Uh, but I think that's all in preparation for games like against European, European teams. So I think he's got that right. And I think the choice or the selection uh, will be the key in terms from a defensive point of view for me. I think there's got to be that option there where we, you know, we get the ball quickly when we need to. But also we've got the cover um, when obviously we're, we're, we're broken upon uh, from that point of view. So uh, it, it, it's, it really is, um, it, it's open in, in that sense. But I do think that we're we learning to play a different way. Um, and I think that, to me, has made a big difference when we're going into these European games.
0: And does that different system, Adam, include, do you think, I mean, building on what Tony's saying there, and I agree with you, that, that playing... Um, John Stones, in that inverted um, position, which Liverpool tried with Trent Alexander-Arnold against Arsenal, and it didn't work. So when they reverted back to fullback, funnily enough, that was when Liverpool started to come back in. But it works with City, or it seems to work with City. Is that to to win the European Cup? I mean, it's not as simple as that, I know, but is that part of of what he's doing?
3: I absolutely think it is. I think that we, you know, we played that sort of, I don't know how long it was, maybe a month where we just seemed to stop, uh, you know, la- not launching it to Haaland. But, you know, we seemed to stop playing everything towards Haaland and we seemed to go through this whole phase of just trying to choke games out. And I absolutely think that that was warming us up for the latter stages of the Champions League. And now, hopefully, we're in this beautiful position where he's let the shackles off again the last few games and we've been raining goals in. Um you know, and the, the the ideal scenario is we we take a, a two a two nil, two goal lead or whatever out the first leg by playing full you know full gasoline football, and and then if we need to we can go over there in the second leg and we can just choke them out. And I, I absolutely do think that that's what Pep's been obsessing about in the middle of the season. And like I say, he's managed to he's managed to swerve all his, his psychology issues that have, that have happened, his personnel issues, his happy flowers issue that he was going on about. He's, he's tweaked his tactics, he's, he's, he's changed it from all-out attack when Haaland was banging him in at the start of the season, then we choked it back a bit. Now he seems to be unleashing the team again. And I just can't see how we could be in a better situation than where we are right now.
0: Somebody said to me yesterday, um, he's hung uh, Kyle Walker out to dry with his comments that Walker can't play in this system. Is that the right thing to do? Might we need Walker at some stage?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, go, on, go on,
2: sorry. No, sorry, Adam. No, 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 you carry on. You go ahead, mate. Um, I, I, I think that um, sometimes we, we see this before, and I don't think we'll be totally surprised whether he actually starts against Bayern Munich. I think there's a good possibility that he will do. I think for the system that, that Adam was referring to and that I alluded to earlier on, I think he's perfect for that, to be honest.
0: Actually, uh, I like and sorry to interrupt, but if if Tuchel does go with Mane and Sane as he did in this league game, that is some speed that's coming at you. And Walker is surely by far our quickest player, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he, he is stronger as well. You know, if if you look at an option, if you if you're looking to put uh, Rico in there or somebody along that line, I think I think Kyle and Ake on the other side give you that strength. And it's interesting that that. That that Ake has, has kind of settled into that left back position, but he will see himself as a left hand sided kind of centre half, but he can actually go in there and he can do a job and pick up um you know the the likes of Saka as he's done before and players of that ilk um so I don't see that being any different from when we face the the Sane's the Mane's etc
0: cetera, etc. Cetera. And how do you see the advantage or disadvantage of having the second leg in Germany? I mean I know the the positive mindset is. Um, oh, they'll have to come out in Germany so we can do better with the second leg away. But then when we play Real Madrid, if we go through, we have the second leg at home and the reverse mentality happens, doesn't it? So I'm not sure whether the advantage and disadvantage is, but I must admit going to the second leg into Germany because I think the Alliance is one of the best stadiums in Europe. I think German fans are some of the noisiest, best fans in European football. And if fans make a difference, they have that advantage in the second leg, Adam. Yeah,
3: it doesn't doesn't bother me either way. And I mean, yeah, like you say, you can you can talk an advantage either way. I think the, the you know the aim has just always got to be win at home and and avoid defeat
0: away. That's all. Simple as that.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, obviously, City have got these games coming up, and um, I always said that April would be the month when. I know it'll be settled in May and June, in theory, you know, because of Champions League finals in June. But it felt like April was the, the, the key key moment. I looked at that Arsenal-Liverpool game today and I thought, is this the defining moment? I don't think the draw is a defining moment. I think if Arsenal had won that game, I think it was massive advantage Arsenal. If Liverpool had won that game, I think it's massive advantage City, if only psychologically but I can't help thinking that that draw leaves this season still on a knife edge. City have the momentum, without doubt, but Arsenal will. Re- will, you know, will have a week now to sort of think about this and and play again. where City goes straight back into action against Bayern Munich. If you haven't already looked, by the way, at my match day vlog on YouTube, seek it out because I try to vary what I do. Um, sometimes I'm lucky; I meet lots of sort of ex players and celebrities a lot of the time I, well obviously all the time i'm meeting fans but i thought for this one I'd, I'd sort of concentrate on what an away day is like and what it means to people so if you've always all, often wondered and you don't get the chance to go to away day games because tickets are limited let's face it um have a look at that and you you get a real flavor of young and old and what it means to them um so uh, check that out um, in the meantime i'm going to leave the last two last word to these two um after i just want to once again, thank Howard solicitors who without them there wouldn't be a podcast. So thanks to them for they're based in Stockport, Ashton and Cheshire. The other thing they specialise in is family law. So if you're going through a separation or you're having problems with access to your children or with social services, then give them a call, 0161-872-9999. And as I say, they always say that if you don't live in Manchester and you think, well, this doesn't really apply to me, you can still give them a call. You can still email them, laura.hoywoodslistas.com or look at the website. And they're very nice people, they're good people, and they will try and help you, even if it's only pointing you in the right direction. Um, so don't just rule it out and think, well, no point in that. You know, I don't live I don't live in that area. They will still try and help you. And obviously, to remind you, there will be another podcast next week. Fingers crossed, Nicky Weaver, um, having had his Easter, which obviously we're delighted he's... Seeing his family and everything, and I'm going to let Tony and Adam go back to their families, and with, with big thanks to them giving their time up. But just before I let them go, um, just just tell me now what your gut feeling is, Tony. We can we can have an intellectual discussion here about you know this. We need three points here, two points there, but as a fan, as a person, you know, I have a gut feeling, you know, and everybody has a gut feeling and it isn't sometimes based on any logic. What are City going to win this season? One, two, three trophies and which ones, if they're going to win?
2: Well, the sun's out and the top guns are out. Um, so, I, I, you know, we, we, we're challenging all three and I expect us to uh, to finish on winning all three. Um, so, yeah, let, let, let's bring it on. The sun's out and the boys are ready.
0: Adam?
3: Yeah, same, same. I mean... We have to really, really look at that FA Cup as it, it couldn't be better place for us, really. We have, to, we have to think we can go and beat a lower league side and then either United or is it Brighton in the final? I just don't see why we, we can't win those two games. Champions League, at this stage, anybody can win it. They're all great sides. We know that there's some very bizarre officiating goes on in Europe. So I don't think anybody can ever say, unless you're possibly a Real Madrid fan, that you really fancy yourself to win the Champions League. But we certainly have at least as good a chance to win that as anybody. And sooner or later, we must crack it. We've we've contrived our own demise enough times and we've had some bizarre officiating enough times and some bizarre luck so many times. Sooner or later, it's got to come good. And this, this, this year is as, as much of a chance as we've ever had. Um, the league, we might win it, we might not. I think we're the best side. We've now luckily got to a position where... We can, if we win our game in hand and beat Arsenal at home, we can overhaul them. So I would expect us to do that, but it's it's not a given. And as I said before, there will definitely be startling results between now and the end of the season. Whether that's enough to help us or hinder us, we'll see. But I would say, as I've been saying for a while, I think we'll win them all.
0: The dream, of course, is to do exactly what you just said there, Adam, to win at Brentford on the last day of the season, become crown league champions, to beat Manchester United at Wembley in the FA Cup final a week later, and then to go to Istanbul and beat Napoli, or whoever it might be, in the Champions League final. What a week that would be. But, but, what if we lost at Brentford, got beaten at Wembley, and then lost to Napoli in the final, having beaten Real Madrid and Bayern Munich along the way. Well, well, don't you just love football? Don't you just love being a City fan?
3: But don't you still feel like we'll come back next year and we'll give it a good old crack again next year? You know, as long as Pep's happy and he's happy with the squad and, you know, things are... Whatever happens between now and the end of the season, we're a great side with a great coach and, and we do it all again next year. You know, I'm not racked. I'm not racked with the absolute horror of the prospect of Arsenal winning the league like I have been the last few years at the idea of Liverpool winning the league. I don't have that sense of jeopardy because I don't <laughs> dislike Arsenal as much as I dislike Liverpool. Uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, enjoying the, enjoying the ride this season.
2: I, I mean, I, I echo everything that Adam said in there, but like I say, if we do get to one of them um, three positions, yeah say we win one, we win two, you know, it's great to be in them yeah, and to have that chance of winning because there'll be a lot of other teams that, that wish they were and it's and it's down to us now to, 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 you know, to make the most of that. So, bring it on.
0: And to be fair, as a person who attends all the Pep Guardiola press conferences, that's all he ever asks for. Um, I know he wants to win every trophy, but he always says we need to be in for them all, in there yeah. at the sharp end and City will be in at the sharp end. So, Adam and Tony and obviously in his absence at Harlan, I can't thank you enough for on, uh, you know, Easter Sunday when it's a big bank holiday weekend, I know not, Everybody around the world is celebrating Easter. Everybody has their own religious beliefs. Or perhaps you don't even have a religious belief. But, of course, it's still a family time. So, Tony, Adam and Harlan, thank you so much for giving up so much of your time. Really, really appreciate it. We'll be back to do it all again next week. And after a 4-1 victory down at Southampton and with Bayern Munich coming up on Tuesday in the Champions League quarterfinal, it's sort of stuff you dream of. I can only say this, isn't it great to be a Blue?